Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. You know, I am who I am uh, in large part because of the people my life is connected with. We just observed in the, in the tank some people's lives who were drastically altered for eternity because of interpersonal relationships. And, and the thing about God is he, He's very relational. He's beyond religion. The Bible says He would draw near to us. That we would draw near to Him. He would draw near to us. That, that we were far away and He came near. The Bible says in, in Genesis chapter 1, He used to walk in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. So everything about everything to do with Christianity has everything to do with relationship. Everything. We've been in a series. We're wrapping it up this, this morning called A Heart for Home. And, and what we have to realize is that we are all uh, being enriched or detracted from because of relationships that we're engaged in. Some relationships are for our benefit. They're for our enrichment. And some relationships are, are sucking the life out of us. Anybody know something like that? Never been there? You know, I can look back over my life and see teachers and coaches. My parents are sitting here. My wife is here. I've grown where I have gray hair, and I've got two adult children living in my home, and I've got two younger children living in my home, and I'm finding out that they are even part of God's plan for making me who I'm supposed to be. Early on, I was supposed to be the guy who was helping shape their lives, right? And suddenly I find that they're doing as much work helping mold and shape my heart, my mind, my thoughts as, as I was theirs early on. And see, we're all supposed to have that kind of interaction. Here's the deal. We, we just observed the influence of godly relationships that alter the paths of individuals by what happened in that tank back there. We've just watched how a Spanish teacher can have an influence on a, on a, on a young person's heart. We've watched how youth pastors and prayer people and, 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 and different, everybody in here that was in this tank a minute ago has had personal interaction with somebody else in this church. That's why they were in that tank. Do you understand that? Without that, they wouldn't, be, they wouldn't have even thought about making that next step. They wouldn't be thinking about the person of Christ. They wouldn't be thinking about what God's plans and purposes were for them. And we need that interaction. We started this series back in the beginning of August in the book of Matthew. Verse 724 reads like this. Anyone who listens to my teaching, and if you have a red letter edition of the Bible, you'll find these words in red. This, is, this, is, this means this is the Lord Jesus Christ talking, so you can't just blow by these words. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. See, it matters what Jesus says, and it matters what we do with what Jesus says. It matters that we act upon what Jesus says. That's how we build a house that withstands the tests of life. Because it's not a matter if bad times come. It's a matter of when. Amen? Huh? Am I right? We have no promises in Scripture that bad times won't come. They aren't there. You can't find them. In John 16, Jesus himself says these words, In this world, you will have trouble. Bank on it. It's coming. The next line is worth all, all, the, all, the, all, all the, the price of anything that, that it cost him to be here. He says this, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. 
And so the one walking with us in life is the one who overcomes. And if we do life the way he says to, then we overcome too. Our, our lives, the home we're building that is our life. I'm not talking about a physical structure. I'm talking about the home that is our life. The home that is our life becomes a thing that's substantial and withstands storms, withstands difficulty, withstands uh, horrible situations. And so here's what I'm going to say. Building wisely means living with intentionality God's way. Many of us are very intentional about certain things, but we're not intentional the way God says be intentional. Some of us aren't intentional at all. We just kind of go, whatever happens each day, we just kind of roll with it, whatever happens, and we're not really thinking about next steps. We're not thinking about what God might want to do in my life. We're not thinking about that. We're just going with it. So here's the thing. Build wisely. We want to build wisely with intention, on purpose, God's way. So with that being said, let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2. Beginning at verse 4. I want to encourage you this morning. I want you to be the home God's building. Be the home God's building. The Apostle Peter writes these words. You are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. Boy, there's so much in that one sentence. I can't even begin to unpack everything that's there. You're not coming to a dead religion. You're coming to a living Savior. You're not coming to some just set wrote rituals. You're coming to a God who saves, a God who loves, a God who is actively at work. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Some translations don't use the word temple. They use the word house. It literally is not, if you think in merely religious terms, you, you kind of miss the point. He's talking about building a house. You are, you are living stones that God has built. You are living stones that God is right now taking and fashioning and putting together on purpose. He intends for your life to connect to other people. You cannot build a house without materials connecting. Am I right? There are some construction guys that sit over here. There's no way you can build a house without the, mati- the, the building materials coming together. There has to be a point where, where, where studs come together. There has to be a point where, where brick and mortar come together. There has to be a point where, the, where things touch. And he says, we are living stones God's building his house out of. That you and I are the, the, the raw materials God's using to get his work done. To create a place for himself to dwell on the earth. We are it. That might, you might look at your neighbor and go, that's kind of scary. But probably your neighbor's looking back at you going, that's kind of scary. The God, the God's wanting to use us like that, right? You're living stones. What's more, you are holy, his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. What's more, he says, you get to participate in the kingdom. It's not just for professional clergy to participate in the work of ministry of of God. It's for all of us to participate in the work that God's doing. Greg referred to a song we used to have hanging up around here, and I haven't got them rehung yet, that says every believer can minister. That's, That's in the Scripture. That we are people who are to minister to God, minister for God, and that we are ones who get to carry the name of Jesus everywhere on the planet. It's such an amazing opportunity, an amazing privilege. That's not by our own work. The scriptures say here is by the mediation of Jesus. Jesus is the one who stepped in and filled the void between us and the Father. He's the one who made the connection right. And he asks us, be a part of making the connection right. We get a chance to be a part of that. You, I want to encourage you, be the home that God's building. Here's something that is really important. He says, he said back there, 
He was rejected by people. We're talking about Jesus, but he was chosen by God. Drop down to verse 8. It says, And he, Jesus, is the stone that makes people stumble. The rock. Stumble because they do not obey God's word. So they meet the fate that was planned for them. I want to say this, Jesus is both the scatterer and the gatherer. Here's what I mean. You can, you can do all the religious activity you want, nobody gives you a hard time. But the second you bring Jesus into the picture, and a commitment to Jesus, and a, and a, and a, and a, and a following of Jesus is necessary for heaven and the different things like that, because that's in the Bible, that suddenly draws some pretty hard lines for some people, doesn't it? No, those aren't my words, those are Jesus' words. John 14, he says these words. Listen, I am the I am the way, not a way. I am the life, not a life. Right? I am the truth, not a truth. Regardless of what's popular around our world right now, those are if we believe in Christ, we can't believe there are other options. Because the next words are very profound. He says this: No one gets to the Father but through me. I'm the door. Why would these people be in a tank this morning? Because they won't let people know they found the door. <laughs> I found the way, the hope, and the strength, and to life. He's opened something to me I didn't understand initially. I didn't get. And, and he's, he's a dividing line. But here's the deal. The stumbling comes not because Jesus is who he says he is. The stumbling comes because he speaks certain things to us and we don't do it. Think again of Matthew 7.24. If you read Matthew 7.25 after that, it reads something like this. Anyone who listens to me and teach and my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on a, on, a, on bedrock. It's not just the words of Christ that make a difference; it's the application to a life of the words of Christ that make the difference. He would go on to say in verse 26, 27, that listen, if if a person hears my words and then doesn't do them, he is like a person who built his house on sand. The same rains fell, the same floods came, the same winds beat, the same thunder cracked, the same, the same lightning flashed, everything the same happened, and that house collapsed. Why? Because the person heard and didn't apply. So the dividing line here with Jesus is not whether he is who he says he is. The question is, are you going to embrace him for who he says he is and then line your life up to what he says? That's a dividing line. And those aren't my lines. Those are his lines in Scripture. So if we say we're followers of Christ, we've got, to make, we've, got to, we've got to start making steps toward him in application of what he said. Not because he wants to be mean and take fun away from us, but because he has a plan that's a better plan. How many of you guys are infamous uh, 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 leave the instructions alone guys? Huh? You just rip the thing out of the box and think you know how to fix it, Right? How many of you guys are infamous leave, leave, and then come back, have to come back to the original instructions later? How many are like that? See, because we are like that with our lives. See, there's this guy named God who wrote the instruction manual for how life's supposed to work. We rip the thing out of the box, think we can make it work all on our own, we don't need any extra help, and we find our lives a wreck, and then we have to go back to the original instruction manual, right? That's what he's saying here. And I feel really passionate about it because I see too many people who, who know certain things. They can quote scripture to you. They can tell you what's jacked up about their life, about their family, about their kids, about whatever. And then the simple thing is they're just not doing what God said do. 
And you would save yourselves a whole lot of problems if you would just listen and, and apply. He's a stumbling block. He knows how life's supposed to work. He knows how your home's supposed to function. He knows how your a good work ethic's supposed to go. He knows all about that. It's all in the scriptures. And so he, he asks us, apply what I, what I say, and things will go differently for you. Keep doing what you're doing, and you'll keep getting the same results. Anybody know what that's called? It's called the definition of insanity. To keep doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting life to turn out differently. In biblical terms, a turnaround of that magnitude, we call it repentance. I'm going one direction. I'm doing life one way. I turn around. I go the other direction. It's a necessary thing for us as followers of Christ. All over the New Testament, there are, the, there are ideas about repenting. Coming back around to the person of Christ and find out what he says about something. It's very, and the Bible says that when we repent, streams of refreshing come upon us. That's in the book of Acts. So if you're wore out with life, you're struggling, and you feel like you're stumbling all over the place, you know why you're probably stumbling all over the place? Because you know, but you're not applying. Wow. We are his holy priests, and we should do things his way. Now, here's the funny part about this whole situation. He wants you to be the home he's building, but he's not building the home for you. He's building a home for the rest of the world. He, want, he wants you to be the home he's building for the rest of the world. See, he intends that people from all nations, tribes, tongues, and people come to him. And the way he's going to extend that grace and that mercy into their lives is through people who live out what they say they believe. They, and here's the thing. It's not even just about what you say you believe. I heard somebody say this week on a podcast, and I've contemplated it all, all week long. He said this. He said, faith is not believing in God. And I took a spot, I, you know, I went, wait, 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 yeah, it is, yeah, 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 it is. He goes, no, he said, faith is believing God. See, believing in something is religious. Believing in someone's relational. And the funny thing about this whole idea of following Christ is it is both religious and relational. And sometimes we forget the, religi- we forget the relational piece of the puzzle. I'm not just coming to, to some you know, some monument to bow at. I, I'm kind of, there's a living Savior. We just read a living cornerstone. A person I can absolutely put my faith, my hope, and my trust in, and he knows how life's supposed to work. And so he's asking me to be his ambassador to the rest of the world. He's building a home for the rest of the world to come to. He's building a, a table for them to come sit at. He's extending an invitation for them to come and eat. Some scriptures say, come and dine. Some of them say, listen, I'm, I'm knocking at the door of your house. If you let me in, I'll come in and eat with you. We'll do life together. It's awesome. See, he intends those who are gathered spread out to those who are scattered. Listen to these words, 1 Peter 2.9. But you're not like that. Like who? Like those who are disobedient. That's, the, 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 pre, that's the, the context of the verse 8, right? Those who are disobedient, they stumble over the place. He says, but you're not like that, for you're a chosen people. I would, I, I would be as bold to say this. If you're sitting here listening to this right now, God chose you for this moment right here, right now. You may have come here under different auspices. Maybe your kid just begged you to get you to church this morning. Maybe you came because of the baptisms. Maybe your wife just wouldn't leave you alone until you get to church this this week. You put it off long enough. I don't know. But here's what I do believe. I believe that on purpose God has you here. 
He chose on purpose to get you here this morning. That's what I believe. And I believe he, he orders the steps of people who are looking for answers. And it's no accident that you're here. You, he, says, he says, I want you to be royal priests. I want you to be a holy nation. I want you to be God's very own possession. That God has you and you have him. Now listen to this. As a result of that, knowing God, walking in the, 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 the purposes and, the, and, and the, 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 the vision he has for your life, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Is that awesome? He, he wants you to be the extension of his hands. He wants you to be the extension of his love, his truth, his life, into the lives of other people. That's his plan for you. And here's something we absolutely believe here at Church Triumphant. The scriptures say he knew every one of us before we were born. Once, one verse says that he knew us before the foundation of the world. That means before any of this was here, we can touch, see, or feel, he knew us. He mapped out a plan and a purpose for us. And he wanted us to be a part of his family. Ephesians 1.5 says that from the beginning of time, he had a plan to bring us close to himself, to adopt us into his family because that's what he wanted. It gave him great pleasure. If you felt like you've had a hard time finding your place in life, there's not been a seat at the table for you, you feel like you've groped and walked around and can't find, figure out how, what, what, what way's up or which way to go, can I tell you something? There's this God in heaven who loves you, number one. Number two, he's got a place for you. Number three, he's got a purpose for you that he's known about from the beginning of time. And the reason you should pay attention to what he says is because he knows the best plan for you. And it's not the same plan for everybody else. It's a very customizable plan. Listen, I'm a dad. I can't treat all my kids. I treat all my kids with fairness. I can't treat all my kids with equity. You know why? Because they're all different. Certain things work for some of them. Certain things don't work for others of them. If I try and parent all my kids exactly the same way, I come up with a big bunch of frustration on my behalf and theirs. Some of my kids are extroverts, okay? And they have soft hearts. And all I got to do is go... And give them that look. And they're, oh my gosh, Dad, I don't know what. And then a couple of them are like, hey! You just straighten up and act right. Come over here, let me teach you something right now. We'll come over here and do this. And that, that works. I have to, all of them have a little different quirkiness about them. Guess what? You're God's kids. And all of us have a little bit of different quirkiness about us. And the crazy thing about God is He knows us intimately. He's the one who developed the plan. He's the one who, who's got us, who wants us going in his direction. And he wants what our lives do, what our lives are doing to affect the lives of others. All this talk about the heart for home has this idea that God is going to change the world one relationship at a time. Everywhere in the scripture, you found people connecting with other people, and that's how the gospel spread. Everywhere, all the time. Whether, whether it was Philip and, and the Ethiopian in the back of the chariot, whether it was Paul being encountered by Ananias after he, after he saw Christ, there was all this. It was Jesus having encounters with Andrew that eventually caused Peter to come in, right? I mean, all over the place, there's all these little relational interactions that are going on that God wanted to change the world, and he decided he would use frail human beings to get it done. That's you, that's me, and that's That's awesome. Be the home God's building for the rest of the world. 
If life's all about you, your vision's too small. If life's all about you, what you do is insignificant. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how many possessions you own. I don't care what accomplishments are hanging on your wall. If it's all about you, your vision is too small. God's intending to change the world one relationship at a time. Look at verse 10. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you had received no mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. See, it does matter that you don't, some of you have walked around life and you have never yet figured out who you're supposed to be. You don't know your identity. You don't know your purpose. You've tried to find it in jobs. You've tried to find it in relationships. And you've, you've struggled in addictions. And you've done all sorts of other things. You're trying to figure out what makes sense of life. You've tried to figure out, why am I here? Where am I going? Do I matter? Does anybody care? tell you something? There's this Father in heaven who absolutely cares about you. He cares so much, he developed a plan before you ever messed up to get it back right again. Because not only does it say that God knew us before the foundation of the world, the Bible says that Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So before there was a problem, God had a plan. He loves you enough to compensate for your problem well before you even had the problem. He knew you weren't going to be able to get it right all the time. And there's this thing called grace that we just don't walk in when we come to Christ. It's the thing we walk in all the while we're walking with Christ that says, he's more than enough and I'm not. That I can't get it right day after day after day. That I'm going to mess it up every now and then. I'm going to do stupid things. I'm going to say stupid stuff. I'm going to think dumb things. And if I read the, 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 the Sermon on the Mount and around the Beatitudes correctly, even what I think becomes an issue. You know what I'm saying? You ever read that part? You should, here's a homework assignment for you. Maybe you don't go to churches, you should give you a homework assignment, but I think it's important for you to read the Bible other than we're here with us. Go read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 this week. And go see what Jesus says about what life in his kingdom is supposed to be about. So you can be the kingdom of priests he talks about. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Not the people who think they got all their junk together, the people who realize I don't have anything without Jesus. Blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called the sons of God. I mean, blessed are the are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know what righteousness is? Righteousness is simply being right with God. Those who, who hunger and thirst for that, they shall be filled. If your life is dry and empty and tired and wore out, the, the, the problem is not, not Jesus. The problem is you're, not, you're, you're, you're craving after the wrong things. And there's a never-ending cavern in the inside of your, your heart that cannot be filled up with just temporary stuff. It takes Jesus. Once you had no identity, but now you can be God's people. I'm no longer, great song selection, by the way, Todd. Very appropriate for this morning, this baptisms and this message. You didn't even know what the message was, but great. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. That can be your testimony today. And it doesn't have to just be fear. You can throw anything else in there you want to. I'm no longer a slave. 
to financial stress. I'm no longer a slave to relational discord. I'm no longer a slave to sexual impropriety. I'm no longer a slave to addiction. I'm no longer a slave to, to the, 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 the past. Greg says about, about burning the bridges. Whatever I was back there doesn't matter. Today is the day that God has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. His mercy was new this morning, and that means whatever happened back there may have helped me see life a little more clearly, but it doesn't define who I am. Being a child of God defines who I am. It's because Jesus died and saved me that I get to be who I am. Because that's what the next line says. Once you had received no mercy, but now. Look at your neighbor and say, but now. This is really important. Once you had received no mercy, but now. Back there, there was no mercy. But today, right now, you can receive mercy. And here's the crazy thing about God. When he gives you something, he doesn't intend for you to hoard it up. You know what he intends you to do with it? Give it away. That's what he plans. The way he gets his job done is he puts something in the life of somebody else and they give it away. That's why testimonies are really important. In the form of baptism, because God's done something for somebody and now they're giving it away. The reason God gives me love is so I give it away. The reason why God gives me forgiveness is so I give it away. The reason God gives me grace is so I give it away. The reason why God gives me joy is so I give it away. The reason God gives me peace is so I give it away. The reason why God gives me his truth is so I give it away. The reason God gives me anything is so I give it away. I did not receive mercy before, but now I have. And now that I have, God says, give it away. What if I lose it? You can't lose it. huh? Bible says if you give, more will give back to you. I mean, that's how it works. The kingdom's upside down. It's like crazy. It's not, not, it's not natural. Like, if, if I only have, you know, do I have any change in my, yeah, I got a few, you know. If I, get, if I take all I have in, in natural terms, look at all that silver and copper right there, man. I am, I'm living large. <laughs> and some lint to boot. Look at that. If I walk over here and I give it to Rachel, guess what? I don't even have, there aren't even quarters in there. That's true. Bunch of small stuff. All of a sudden, that's empty, right? It don't work that way in spiritual things. Spiritual things, when I give it away, somehow there's more of it. Prove it, Aaron. There's a story about this guy named Jesus in the Bible. He walked into this situation where he preached this message I just talked about, about the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. And he saw all these people sitting around who were, who were hungry. He looks around, looks at his his disciples, and he says, hey, what y'all got? They're like, we don't have much, Jesus. He said, what do you have? He said, we don't have it. I don't think we have anything. Well, what's what's around here? And he's like, well, we got this little boy over here. He's got five loaves and two fish. If you're thinking of loaves, they weren't those kind of loaves. They were more like crackers. No, biscuits maybe. You know what I mean? They weren't like, you know, bakery loaves. It was and probably like sardine-type fish. It wasn't like... I was just at the North Market this week. Anybody ever been to North Market? You walk in that one door, and there's all that up in Columbus in the short north. You know what I'm talking about? And there's that fish stand when you walk in, that big slab of salmon sitting there. Come on, somebody. I know somebody likes salmon in here. Woo! Thank you, Jesus, for making salmon. But we ain't talking about that. We're talking about little teeny tiny sardines. We got this one little dude. He's got five loaves and two fish. Was he willing to let me have it? Apparently he was, because Jesus took it, the Bible says. He blessed it. He said, now give it away. i got to imagine what the disciples were like. 
Jesus, there's barely enough for one little small, like, you know, teenage kid here. Jesus said, give it away. They start giving it away. And the more they give it away, the more there is. And they keep giving it, and they keep giving it, and they keep giving it. And the Bible says when they were done giving it all away, there were 12 baskets of crumbs left over. From five loaves and two fish. And so the Bible says these stories are given to us as examples. Examples of what? That if we do things God's way, God takes care of stuff. And so if he gives me love, he says, what do you got? I said, I got love. He says, give it away. And I won't have any love left. He says, oh, I got plenty. Trust me, I got it. Well, I got, how about forgiveness? Oh, I got some forgiveness. God. Well, he said, give it away. What about, oh, I want out. Yeah, give it away. Oh, there'll be more, I promise. What about grace? You know what grace is? Grace means you give people things they don't deserve. Maybe somebody in your life not quite towing the line in what you'd like for them to. Can I tell you something? God didn't ask you to toe the line. He asked you to trust Jesus. He didn't ask you to measure up to something. He said, listen, just trust me. We'll figure it out from here. And he offered you something called heaven you don't deserve because you can't live good enough to get there. And he says, trust me, I got this. And he, he gives it away. But encouragement. Anybody ever felt encouragement from God anywhere, shape, or form? You ever been reading the scriptures and like a piece of the Bible, like it just almost like it came alive? Do you ever have somebody walk up to you, you know, was praying for you and say, hey, I've been praying for you. I hope you're doing okay. Can I encourage you for a minute? It's going to be okay. You know why God gives those things to you? Not for you to keep. He gives those things for you to give away. 2 Corinthians 1.3 says this, that, that, that we all go through difficult times. And the Bible says the comfort that we experience is the comfort we should share with others when we go through difficult times. And so that's the thing. That's how the kingdom works. That's how we change the world one life at a time. So, be the home God's building for the rest of the world. If you're going to do that, you've got to do three things. Here's the application piece of the puzzle. You can't walk out of here and that didn't say I don't. Aaron talked really well, but I don't know how to make it fit. Okay, if application is the big deal, this is the application piece of the puzzle. Number one, realize your life matters. Your life matters. It matters to the rest of the world what you do with the life you've been given. It matters in the kingdom. It matters to God. Your life matters. And he tells us to be living stones, not rigid dead stones. Do you get that? A rigid stone has a hard time sometimes complying with what needs to happen. Clay, the Bible calls us clay in numerous places, is malleable. It, it, it's shapeable. It, it, it can be pushed into different places. God wants to push you into different places. He wants you to fill holes and gaps in places in people's lives. And so you've got to be kind of soft. You've got to be a living stone willing to be put where God wants you to put, be put. Your life matters. What you do walking out this door, it, this is a great experience. Can I say this really loudly? It, this is, and, and, and the scriptures tell us that we shouldn't be like those who forsake assembling together. That's Hebrews 10.25. Go look it up. If you're one of those people who say, well, I don't have to go to church. Well, you kind of do because the Bible says so. And again, if we're going to live life the way God said to live it, then we've got to do what he said do, right? And so he says that. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, okay? As good as this is. If all this is is a moment in time that doesn't translate outside those doors, we have wasted our time. Your life really matters. Can I say something to you? Your home matters. How you conduct your affairs in the privacy of your own life matters. 
You should let your home and your closest relationships be the reflection of who Christ is, the goodness and the faithfulness that He is. You should, that should be, that should be a, a, the way you conduct your, your, your marital interactions, your, your parental uh, uh, child interactions, the way you, con- you conduct yourselves among your siblings, your closest of friends. Those, all of those really tight-knit places, you would, people who are welcome as, as family into your home, how you conduct yourself with them should be a reflection of who Jesus is if you call yourself a follower of Christ. So your home, your, your, your really close relationships matter. And if you can't exude the character of Christ there, it doesn't matter what you do out there. The Bible says that, that, that when he talked about marriage, he said it was a mystery, but he was talking about Christ and his church, Ephesians 5. And so it really does matter. What goes in our home matters. What goes on in our close relationships matter. And so today, some of you need to get your close relationships right. You need to extend forgiveness. You need to extend grace. You need to extend uh, 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 patience. You need to extend those kinds of things. So you can be the reflection of Jesus in the world. Is there something else to you? Others matter. Others matter. How do you know that, Aaron? Two, two really quick, quick pieces of Scripture that are Jesus' words. John 3.16, God so loved the world. He wasn't talking about just the planet, the physicality of the geography of the planet. He was talking about the people who populate it. God so loved the world that he gave, right? Another one, Matthew 7. Is that right? 22.37. Matthew 22.37. What are the greatest commandments, Jesus? Jesus says to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. Number two is just like it, equally as important. It says this. Love your neighbor the way you love yourself. Everything hinges on these two things. Those are the, that is the words of Christ. And so others matter. He would go on to give us the story in that context of the Good Samaritan. Who's my neighbor? And the answer is everyone, anyone that crosses your life. Every coworker you interact with, every neighbor you have that their land comes right up against your land, everybody you pass in the restaurant, everybody you pass on the road, everybody, everybody is a neighbor in Jesus' mind. Everybody. And you can walk right past them if you want to, but they matter to Jesus. So what you have received and experienced, you got to give away so others can experience it too. I heard somebody say this week, I think it was John Maxwell. Anybody know who John Maxwell is? He's like, he's like a leadership guru. He graduated from Circleville Bible College, but he's become like the leadership guru to the world. He, he was a pastor for a long time now. He, he talks to CEOs and sports teams and all sorts of craziness. He said he learned from his grandma one time. She said, you need to love the unlovable. You know why? They're the ones who need it the most. Others matter to Jesus. You matter, your home matters, and others matter. Right now I'm going to pray, and we're going to wrap this thing up. And somebody said, thank you, Jesus. I didn't think he was ever going to be done. I want you to think right now about your life. Think about your life. Do you really believe your life matters? And if you, if you don't, here's the issue. Maybe you and Jesus aren't walking as closely together as you think you are. Because he's got a seated table for you. 
And maybe you were sitting there at one time, maybe you walked away and did something, your own thing, and you realized life just kind of messed up. You know what? Jesus, his mercy's new every morning, and so today's a new day to start over, right? If your life is far away from Jesus, if you, don't, you really can't find the spot where you fit, Jesus says, come to my table, we'll figure it out. So you need to make that connection that it's not about what you've done, it's about what he's already done. We call that grace. You may have done awful things this week and you are miserably covered in shame and guilt and all kinds of weirdness and darkness and you're frustrated. And Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight these words, Come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Learn from me. I will give you rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And so if you're carrying around heaviness, listen, understand that you matter to God and, 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 and the, the conduct of your life matters because he wants you more than he wants anything else in life. If you and him are separated in some capacity, now's the time to get it right. And how do I do that? You nearly say, Jesus, I have messed up. You merely say, Jesus, I believe you're the one who makes all things right. And you say, in honest confession, Jesus, I'm the one in need here. You don't bring your resume and you don't bring you know, all that stuff you've done or should have. You say, Jesus, I need help. Help me. And he responds in that. And his blood covers all of our sin. We sang that up on the word. Those aren't just words we sing. Those are powerful statements of truth that we believe. Number two, some of you are here and you realize some of your closest relationships are messed up. What I need you to do right now is I need you to make a commitment to fix those. I need you to make a commitment to be the one offering forgiveness. I need you to make a commitment to, to be the one offering grace. I need you to make a commitment to be the one offering mercy. I need you to be that person because that's what Jesus would do. And if he's wanting you to extend into somebody else's life, he's going to change the world one relationship at a time. Probably that one you're thinking about right now you don't want to talk about is probably the one. And so I want you to think about the name of that person. I think about the face of that person that you know you just got to get things squared away with. I want you to hold that tight, and I want you to say, Jesus, help me do that. I need, to, I need you to think about right now on your to-do list, wherever you put it, your mental, you need to send the card. You need to make the phone call. You need to send the text message. You need to make the visit. You need to schedule the coffee appointment. See, these things are here on purpose. Every week we've had some kind of object for you guys to think about. See, these, these chairs, this kind of setup requires somebody to look to somebody else in the face. Because God's changing the world one life at a time. See this setup over here? Somebody messed with my coffee mugs. That person can't. There we go. This requires me to look in somebody's face and talk about what's really going on and what really matters to me. I can't, I can't. If, if my closest relationships matter, then I've got to have these face-to-face interactions. Some of you, you're doing good. You're checking with Jesus. Your home life's pretty good, but you become kind of truncated. You're kind of looking all, all inward. And so now some of you need to do this morning, think about people who are not yet walking with Christ and how you can be the influence in their lives. Because it may take you having a conversation like this or at a coffee table and say, hey, I've been praying for you. Are you okay? Can we talk sometime? You need something. Can I help you with something? You seem frustrated all the time. What's going on in your life? And, and maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a, a, a part of your extended family. Maybe it's just somebody you, you know in random kind of interactions at the ball field or somewhere. And you can just tell they're just something just not clicking like it needs to click. And God's wanting you to step into that. Grab a hold of those things and let's pray.
Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org.